0: This weekend, I got to experience one of the more beautiful things in American civilization. I got to experience a Philly cheesesteak in Philly. It was a a gorgeous, a gorgeous and sumptuous combination of the right softness of the roll and the meat and the peppers and the onions and so forth. It It was a marvel to behold there at Cosme's Deli, a little hole in the wall in South Philly. Uh, there was also another little sort of uh, bonus that made me really happy. Was so I was I was in this you know again this little deli, uh, and and just the, the kind of the cool diversity that was there. There was the woman who was operating the register was was a white woman. I, I wouldn't be surprised of Italian heritage, and then uh, the guy answering the phone who kind of looked like the owner. I was an Asian immigrant. I think Korean, and then the two people in the back. We're both Hispanic. It was a man and a woman uh, making, actually, the cheesesteaks. And so I I felt like there was this sort of song of it's a small world after all as my golden cheesesteak was being delivered uh, to us. And sort of, again, the the American dream where people from from all different sort of walks of life, motivated by their own economic self-interest, find a common ground. I want to think about that today, uh, finding a common ground. Finding a common ground. Because that's what Jesus does here. Jesus, in the beginning of this story, uh, he encounters this Samaritan woman. And in some ways, there couldn't be sort of uh, further distance between these two people. Jesus is a man. This is a woman. He is named. She is unnamed. He is a religious teacher. She is a a religious outcast. Uh, He is a Jew. And she is a Samaritan. And in fact, we were even told... uh, the, the, the woman herself may, may even be the one who said those words. What are you doing? Like, why are you, what are you doing talking to me? Like, we don't associate our tribes. But by the end of, by the end of this story, Jesus is actually been invited and is staying in the Samaritan town for multiple days as they're confessing him, another member of another tribe, to be the Messiah. So Jesus here crosses an incredible number of sort of social gaps and even really this, this ancient 1,000-year-old chasm between Samaritans and Jews. And, and that um, gives, gives us hope, uh, and I think is something we need to, to learn from in our world today where, again, we have all sorts of divides, and we have such a hard time finding a common ground to relate on. When I was uh, younger, I really enjoyed watching football, but part of the reason that I enjoyed watching football is because I knew that the next day at school, I would have something to talk about with other kids. Right? It was sort of like we all, we all liked the Eagles and we all watched football on Sundays. But what I've discovered now is that, uh, you know, sort of two or three decades later, that even sports is something that is no longer necessarily a common ground, right? That, that sort of even politics and division have sort of cut along those lines as well. Again, we're, we're, we're hungry as a nation. We're, we're hungry as a, as a people. We, we struggle to find a common ground to relate to, to others on. But in some ways, that's sort of, you know, out there. But, but this, this happens more, more locally, too. Right? This, is, this is happening more locally. Just, just this last week, I'm not sure if you, you heard about it yet, but there was a sort of a controversy bubbling up in the newspapers that, that the Lydid Springs Park Board, at the, at the instruction of the Moravian Church, decided not to host the Pride Festival this year. And this was causing all sorts of agitation. Now, I'm not here to Monday morning quarterback another church's decisions. They're all really complicated. But I bring it up because it it points to a painful truth. And that is that even here locally in our small town where we have such a desire to get along, we we recognize that there are boundaries, there are divisions. And I think most humbly, we we have to acknowledge painfully that, that the church isn't always a common ground anymore. Again, the church is not always a common ground between people anymore, as it once was. And this is, again, for all sorts of political reasons, but it's also just simply that we have a a whole generation growing up without any access to the church. When I do funeral plannings, I'm always struck if I get multiple generations to do the planning, and and I go over and I say, "What, what scripture would be good? And I start to read scripture, and... I'll read the 23rd Psalm, and, and I have people my age, or especially if they're younger, I mean, they'll often listen to the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, and, and they'll kind of nod, and they'll be like, wow, that was really pretty, as if I had read a Walt Whitman poem, right? There is no recognition that this is somehow like a sacred, a sacred text. Okay, so we don't have a, a common language. And so there's a reality, again, in which this space here is not necessarily known or perceived as sacred by others. And again, the church and our language of scripture and the liturgy is no longer necessarily a common ground. Hmm. Well, Jesus had this same issue. Jesus had this same issue where he and the Samaritan woman do not have a common sacred ground. The Jews worshiped in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans had their own Temple Mount, right? The Jews had the Temple Mount, Mount Zion in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, who are really the descendants of the northern tribes of Israel, have their own Temple Mount. And it turns out that there's a lot of rivalry between those two. I mean, centuries back rivalry, five centuries before Jesus lived, the Jews wanted to rebuild their Temple in Jerusalem. After it had been destroyed. And at that time, the king of Samaria sent actually missionaries to the king of Persia, who was in charge of all of that area at the time, and pleaded with the king of Persia to not allow the Jews to rebuild their temple because he did not want his temple in the northern part of Israel to have any competition from Jerusalem. That's how deep this embitter, this rivalry is. There, there wasn't a sense of your sacred ground is also my sacred ground. This was a bitter religious rivalry. Again, there was no common sacred ground between the two. And so Jesus, Jesus then has to do something. Jesus has to find a common ground with this other person. Again, Jesus has to find a common ground. Knowing that the religious spaces are no longer a common ground. And so what Jesus does is, Jesus encounters her at a well. And a well makes sense for a common ground, first of all, because every human needs water, regardless of religion or tribe or anything. It also turns out that this particular well had a historical significance and that it belonged to Jacob. And Jacob is from, you might remember, we've studied his stories in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. But the Samaritans and Jews both saw Jacob as a common ancestor. So there's some real cleverness at work here by Jesus to pick this particular well to encounter this woman. But there's all sorts of ways in which we with other humans have stuff in common historically or biologically, but that doesn't mean that we've we've found something really a bridge between us. So something else has to happen here in order for for this well to really become a sacred well for it to become a sacred ground a common ground between Jesus and this woman and the reality is that the the well that Jesus is really about the water that Jesus is going to finally say is the common connection it isn't actually simply hydrogen and oxygen from the ground. But but the well that, that Jesus points to here is the well of his mercy. Is the well of his mercy and his truth that is deep and wide. Because if you begin to take a look at this whole encounter between Jesus and this woman, well, what we begin to see is that this encounter is filled with hard truths. Again, this encounter is sort of truths that are uncomfortable. I thirst. Our tribes don't associate. We don't have a common religion. You think you're right. I think I'm right. You've had five husbands and are an outsider in your community. Jesus saying that he is indeed the living Savior. Those are That's a lot of truth. And a lot of that truth is really uncomfortable. Yet in spite of the fact that there is uncomfortable truth, the relationship between Jesus and the woman remains unbroken. Again, there is uncomfortable truth, but the relationship remains unbroken. And that's not typical. Uh, Typically what happens is that if, if there is an uncomfortable truth, this breaks a relationship. So uh, that process when we're courting, when we're dating with somebody, and they or us reveal something or something comes up, a harsh truth, an uncomfortable truth, well, at that point, many times in that relationship, we decide if that's who this person really is, no thank you. Or if that's really where I'm at, I'm not ready for this relationship. Again, whether it's dating or professional relationships, those uncomfortable truths can often break a relationship. Or what happens is that when we're encountered with an uncomfortable truth, we, we seek to water it down. This uh, week we were doing the devotion book for families uh, that the church has in, at our table. And, and this particular day asked us to write down on a piece of paper the names of people we don't like. And, and we decided that we didn't like doing this because we don't want to admit that we don't like people, right? We're supposed to like everybody, and so we, we didn't want to do this. It turns out that once we got started, we had no problem writing down three names. <laughs> but we didn't want to do this. When it comes to the truth, what we want to do is we want to water down the truth. But the the well that Jesus is talking about today, the the well of his mercy and his truth is not one that ever waters down the truth. Again, the the well here that Jesus points to never waters down the truth. The, The water in the well of Jesus, what it does is it drowns the sin and shame and death that would prevent relationship from moving forward. Again, the, the water that Jesus gives never waters down the truth, but rather it drowns the death, the sin, and the shame that would prevent relationship. And so we, we know that we've been invited, that we're encountering Jesus at the well when there is an uncomfortable truth and an unbroken relationship And this is, of course, what happens when we confess to the Lord in church. But I want to think again about how Jesus gets us out of the church and how we we meet Jesus at the well, not just in these walls. But any time that we're with another person and there again bubbles up this uncomfortable truth and the relationship is able to be maintained, that's when we know that we're on a sacred ground that we've been invited to encounter Jesus at the well, and really all we can do at that point is praise or pray. One of the times that I discovered that I had been invited to the well with Jesus was I was in a hospital room, and I was in the hospital room with a woman named Nori, and Nori was a generation older than me a newer person to the church in many ways. And uh, she was there and the oncologist came in to tell her the results of her cancer testing. And he got out a piece of paper and uh, he drew on it something that looked like an oval, somewhere like a bean in an oval. And he started just sort of hitting his pen up and down against the paper. And he said, okay, this here is your pancreas. And all the dots, those are the cysts on your pancreas. And your kidney looks the same. And then at that moment he got a phone call and actually left the room. And so this woman and I looked at each other and, and we realized that, that she had just been told that she was going to die. Pancreas cancer that has spread to the other internal organs is a death sentence. And it was really at first we actually laughed Because we couldn't believe that this doctor had just given this news and just like left the room. Like the truth was too painful for even for him. But as we we sat there, we we realized that we had just been ushered into a, a very holy and sacred moment. Where she again now was confronted with this brutal truth that her days were numbered. But yet this relationship that she had with God and, and now that we were together in this was, could somehow handle that, that Jesus was, was present there and that the, the well there was deep and wide and that the waters that she could draw on now were going to be giving her strength to endure and to carry on. And at that moment, all we could really say and do after we laughed as we said a few words that I don't think really made sense. We were just so numb. And, and then we prayed. Again, those times in life where there's an unflinching, unyielding, difficult truth. And yet the relationship remains. And that's where we know that we are encountering Jesus. And that we're on holy ground. So where in your life have you been invited to the well? One of those times when Jesus has shown up amidst a really difficult truth and a relationship hasn't been broken, for the mercy of God is so deep and so wide. Now, Jesus today, again, is, is crossing boundaries by meeting somebody at the well. And, and we're called, as Jesus' followers, to be those bridge builders, to figure out ways to, to go out and, and, and build those bridges with other people in a divided world. But I'd like to suggest that you don't go up to somebody this week and say, well, you person, you're different than me. And my pastor said that we should be like Jesus and encounter people who are different. So I'd like us to be vulnerable with one another at this point so that we can have a sacred and holy moment. I don't think that's going to work. That would be digging yourself a hole instead of building a well. But rather, I'm confident that The Jesus who met the woman at the well will meet you and others at the well this day, this week, these coming weeks. And then I think that our task as disciples is to have our eyes and our hearts open to those times when, when Jesus is inviting us to the well. When Jesus is inviting us to listen and to not try to water down a truth, but to simply invite others, invite others to, to submerse ourselves in those waters that are deep and wide in the mercy of Christ, knowing that the truth will never be watered down, but that the sin and death and shame can be drowned away, and that a common ground, a bridge and a relationship can be sustained. Amen.